I'd like to thank you all again for such a lovely day. It's been a wonderful day to be a part of the celebrations in the church. And we've been fed well, we've been hosted well. We've had a lovely time. So thank you. Thank you all for being part of that. If, if I may, if we can just show um, up in the peanut gallery, if we can just show the very first slide on that set that I gave you, I'll tell you a little bit about my ministry, uh, what we do and what our vision is for the future, and then we'll cut straight to the Word of God, if we may. Okay, the, uh, the, the two people on the left are Chuck Swindoll and his wife Cynthia. They founded the ministry that I work for. Chuck has been a pastor and a pulpit preacher for the last 62 years. Insight for Living, the radio ministry he established, has been going for four decades now, 40 years. I've been with the ministry for 12 of those 40 years. They started out on just a couple of radio stations in California, and now we're on 2,000 radio stations in eight languages worldwide. We've got pastors in positions, strategic regions all around the world, who pick up Chuck's uh, transcripts. They translate his sermons into their own languages, Russian, um, Chinese, Arabic, Portuguese, Spanish, Romanian, Polish, to name a few, translate those into their own heart languages and then retransmit them on radio within their own regions. So Chuck's preaching is going out to more than 50 countries worldwide, and behind that, we're going to be sending out uh, a, a program for training pastors, because in most of those 50 countries where Chuck's uh, messages have been heard for, for years and years, and he's trusted, and he's well-liked, in most of those countries, there are no training facilities for pastors. Nobody to show them how to preach, nobody to show them how to study the Bible for themselves, nobody to show them how to organize, strengthen, grow up their churches. And so since we are trusted and since we are already there on the radio, we hope to take training programs to the pastors in those regions. And I'm very heavily involved in that project and I'm very pleased to be, um, should we say, responsible for that. If you want more information, or if you've never heard Chuck preach, I've left some materials out on the front table in the foyer. So pick up a leaflet or pick up one of the CDs. Just take it, listen to it. If you don't like it, pass it to a, an enemy. If you do like it, pass it to a friend. But um, yeah, have a listen and have a read of the materials I've left out there. It'll tell you a lot more about the ministry. And of course, you can always go to our website, which is insightfulliving.org.uk. And there's just a boatload of information there. So thank you for that. And that's, that's all the plugging I'm going to do. Now I've got a challenge for you. So would you please shine for me? Will you shine on the count of three? One, two, three. Shine. Okay, you need some help. You need some help. I'm going to teach you how to shine. In just a few minutes, out of the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, I'm going to teach you a little bit about shining. Because we are called to shine in another book to another church. Paul says that we're to shine like stars in the universe. Well, how do we shine? And what colors do we shine? I'm going to read out of Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin at verse 7. And I'm only going to read three verses. That's where we're going to be today. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. Therefore, 
That's a key word. I'll come to that in a minute. Therefore, do not become partners with them. I'll explain them in a minute. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Shine, right? For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And, as a subnote, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Well, I said I'd talk about the therefore. The therefore is basically at the beginning of the chapter. Paul is laying out the idea that there are two different kinds of people. There are those who are people who are in Christ, and there are those who are people who are not in Christ. And so the important, the crucial dividing line is that if you are not in Christ, you are walking in darkness. And then he comes on to say to us, those who are believers in Christ, those who have placed their faith on the work of Christ on the cross and the forgiveness of sins through his substitutionary death, for those of us who are, we need to walk in the light like children of the light. So do not become partners with them. Don't pretend, don't kid yourself that you're still part of that old, dark creation. Don't play with the idea. Don't tiptoe around the edge of that place. Don't try to enjoy a little bit of the darkness every once in a while. It's not a hobby that you can go back to and pick up every once in a while. He says, no, have nothing to do with that old way. Have nothing to do with that old person you were. Have nothing to do with that old nature. Do not become partners with that. Do not become partners with them. And then he says this striking thing. I don't know if you've picked up on this when you've read this passage before. For at one time, you were darkness. Notice how he doesn't say you were in the darkness. If it was just that we were in the darkness, then we would be victims of the darkness. We'd be victims of the problem. But he says, no, no, you were the darkness. You were part of the problem. You were invested in the problem. You were that which is evil. You were the darkness. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days when you were the darkness? Paul is pointing a finger at you to remember that time. You were the darkness. But then what happened? Jesus Christ happened. He got a hold of your life. And he cleansed you and he washed you clean of all that impurity. And he made you a new creation. He made you brand spanking new, starting over from the top, born again. And now, he doesn't say you are in the light. He follows that up with you are light. He says at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So it's not only that you used to be part of the problem. It wasn't that you just were the problem and now you are a recipient of the light. Now you're part of the solution. 
Now you're actually part of the new creation. You are responsible for shining the light of Christ. All too often, in all too many churches, there may be 10% of the people who are willing to stand up and take a stand and shine the light of Christ, and a lot of other people would rather just sit quiet like a bump on a log and hope not to get into trouble. We are part of the solution. All of us in here, we are part of the solution as long as we are in Christ Jesus. And it's up to us to shine like light. Light not under a bushel basket, as Jesus would say it, but light like a city on a hill. It's up to us to shine on a November evening in Airdrie. We're to shine bright like points of light in the heavens. When you say, well, I don't know what it looks like to shine. I mean, when I challenged you with it just a minute ago, you all looked lost. You know, a couple of you just clenched a fist. Oh, am I giving off light? No. We need to know how to shine. And thankfully, Paul is gracious enough to give us the answer for how we ought to shine. First, we need a physics lesson, though. You're familiar with the idea of primary colors, the three primary colors that make up all the other colors we have? It depends on which sort of light you're talking about, but usually we think of red and yellow and blue. And out of those three colors, you can make all the other colors, as long as you know how to mix them right. Those are the primary colors. The three distinctive elements that make up bright, white, brilliant light. Well, Paul lays out for us here the primary colors of a life of faith. He says, walk as children of light. And then my Bible, at least, helps with a little parenthesis, puts a bracket in in verse 9, and says, for the fruit of light, in other words, if, if you pull light apart and separate it out into its components, its primary colors, the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. There it is, the three primary colors of a life of brilliant faith. What is good, what is right, and what is true. You can use this as a measure. You can use this as a measure for your activities during the day. What is good, right, and true. And if it is, then it is shining the light of faith. Let's look at the one at a time. What is good? It's an old Hebrew word that would be tov in Paul's original Aramaic, but in Greek, the way he wrote, it is simply a word that means good. So what is it we say when we say something is good? What is it when there, is a, when there is a good result for your football team? What is it when there is, a, there is a good weather forecast for the weekend? It means it's going to bring a benefit. It means it's something that is beneficial to hear about or beneficial to receive or beneficial to be on the receiving end of. You get a good bonus. That's a benefit. 
So things that are good, it's quite straightforward. It just means that they are a benefit. They leave things better than when they started. They don't make things worse. Things that are good are things that make things better. And you name it. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of things that we do, and some of them make things worse. But if we're looking for things that are shining the light of God, the things that we do should be things that make things better. If it's good, then it brings a benefit. If it's good, then it makes things better than when you started. If it's good, then it's one of the three primary colors of a light of faith. So whatever we do as you're measuring off your day, is it good? Am I bringing a benefit or am I actually doing harm to the situation? Am I bringing a benefit? Am I leaving this day better than when I found it? Or have I made it worse? Am I leaving a benefit behind me? Am I doing things that are good? Well, next, things have to be right. If they're going to shine the light of brilliant faith, things have to be right. And that simply means that they are righteous. They align with God's will. They are not contrary to God's will. We're not going against God's call on our lives. So it's fairly easy to work out. There are certain activities, certain attitudes, certain habits we have that are in line with God's will. Um, a life of self-control and discipline and prayer and Bible study and respect for your elders and cherishing your children and loving your wife and husband. These are all things that would be considered to be in line with God's will, and these are, these are therefore things that are right. That's a righteous way to go about life. We all know what they are, and we all know when we see what's not righteous. Some of the works of darkness that Paul introduced us to earlier. So is it right? Is it in line with God's will? Would God, if he was standing with me here, approve or disapprove of what I have chosen to do? My chosen course in this situation, is God going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or is he going to say, you idiot, you did it again. I love you, and I forgive you, but please, please, is it right? Is it righteous? Does it conform to God's will, or does it conform to the mold of the world? Is it worldly? Is it pagan? Is it just secular? I'm not saying secular is all wicked. Some of it's morally neutral, but some of it's not. So does it conform to God's will? That's your second marker on our measuring stick. Is it good? Does it leave a benefit? Is it right? Does it align with God's will? Does it conform to what God would have in our lives? And the third one, is it true? Does it conform to God's revealed reality? Does it line up with what God says is true about man and creation and the world? Is it true? 
Am I, at root, an honest person? Or do I twist things around a little bit for my own benefit? Am I, at heart, true to God? Or do I shade off into deceit every once in a while? You can measure your attitudes. You can measure. You can line it all up and find out if I am really shining the light of brilliant faith. If I am shining, as Paul commands me to, like a star in the universe, then the things that I choose to do and the things that I choose to say and the things that I choose to think will be beneficial they will be conforming to God's will for a life of righteousness, and they will be honest, true, straightforward, down-to-earth, honest. As you start your day tomorrow, as you start the week tomorrow, get into the habit of just measuring things according to the bright light of a life of faith. You've got the primary colors now. The primary colors that enable you to shine. Is it good? Does it leave a benefit? Is it right? Is it in line with God's will? Is it what he would want? Is it true? Am I being honest to me? Am I being honest to the people around me? Am I being honest to God? It's an easy measuring stick to find out if you are shining the brilliant light of faith in Jesus Christ. Now people, just on the off chance that that message has meant nothing to you and you haven't known Jesus Christ, I appeal to you. In Him is the only way where you will ever learn how to shine this light. Because all else is darkness and corruption. It might look sweet on the outside, but the world's way, the way of corruption, as Paul calls it, the darkness, if that's the place where you are, it only gets darker and darker. And the only space for brilliance, the only space to shine, the only place to be free of the baggage that a life of darkness brings is standing in the true light of Jesus Christ. So please, come to him today. Rejoice. Dance in the light. Dance in the light of Jesus Christ today. And if this has made sense to you, then people, shine! For heaven's sake, shine. Amen.